You're listening to the weekly podcast of Hope Community Church, where we desire to see people transformed by the love of Christ. Join us as we study God's Word together. Let's look at God's Word together. This morning we're going to be looking at uh, some things from the Psalms as well as a few things from the New Testament. We've been talking about what are some of the habits that would help us to have a healthy soul. Jesus said, what would it help you to gain the whole world and then lose your soul? So how do you have a healthy one of those? What I want to talk about this morning is gratitude. A few years ago, uh, we were living in Senegal. Summertime, Nadia needed to have a foot surgery, so we flew back to the States, and we had a few days before the foot surgery in Chicago, and Ellen's younger brother, who was part of the Disney Club or whatever they call the thing that you go down to Disney, had extra days and so offered to us as a gift to go to Disney for four days. So we fly, land in Chicago, put down our bags. Next day we go to the airport to get on a plane and go to Florida. Got all checked in, we're sitting, waiting, and then they call for the flight. We got up to the desk where they check your boarding pass and they said, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Bubna, we heard that today is your wedding anniversary. Congratulations, we'd like to give you tickets for first class. I said, well, let me pray. Okay, that'd be great. <laughs> so we took him, got on the plane, said to the girls, hey, you guys, you know, you're in the back. You're actually not supposed to come up here. Uh, but if you need us, holler, and we're here for you. It, it took me about three or four seconds to get used to being in first class. It, that's good. Um, got lots to eat. This was just really a great day. So we went down to Florida, went to Disney, had good days with family. Now it's time to go back to Chicago. So we go to the airport and get on the airplane. And I'm walking to first class. And I, I think I'm supposed to be here. But I'm looking at my ticket, and, it, and it's not. So I, I walk back and took my seat. And this, this is embarrassing, but my heart was, was not grateful. In fact. All I was thinking about is the people up in first class. I think that's where I'm supposed to be. But I've just been given four days as a gift that I didn't deserve. And how can there be ingratitude in my heart? But there is. I'm not alone. We're all really good at it. Charles... Duhigg, the New York Times journalist, has written a book a number of years ago about the power of habit. And in it, he talks about the importance of habits and how they shape your life. He tells about athletes, CEOs, leaders who have succeeded actually in changing the culture of a company by changing people's habits. Habits direct your soul. One example that he uses is Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps... Uh, won more gold medals than any Olympian in history. At the time that this book was written, I think he was at 18 or 20, he's talking about how when Michael Phelps was young, his coach taught him the importance of habits. You do the same thing every day. Because when you get to this level of the Olympians, you know what, they're all pretty good. So what distinguishes between the, the good and, and the... Well, he's saying it's their habit. So August 18th, 2008, Michael Phelps woke up, 
it's just another day. He'd already won three gold medals, and in a few hours, he was going to be doing the 200-meter butterfly. So what did he do? Did the same thing he does every day. Got up, stretched for 45 minutes, ran for 45 minutes, sat down, thought about the race, walked through in his mind, imagined every step, every stroke, got up, went, won a gold medal. Habits. The same thing that is true physically is true spiritually. It's true of your soul. The habits that you have shape your soul. And one of the habits that we're called to in the scriptures that, that gives us a healthy soul is the habit of gratitude. I'm saying habit. It's not about going home today and saying thank you to somebody. It's about a lifestyle of gratitude. So let me ask you a question this morning. What do you need from God this morning to be a person of contentment? What, what could he give you that would cause you this morning to be thankful? The answer to both questions is nothing. To be a person who's marked by contentment to be a person out of whom gratitude flows, you and I have already been given hundreds of times more than what we need to be grateful. The psalm that we read earlier, like many of the psalms, are filled with exhortation to give thanks to God, to, to give praise to God. They're not actually suggesting that. They're not saying, hey, you know what? If, if you're just having a good day, stop for a minute and think, no. This is, this is a directive. A lot of the Psalms were written in really hard days. And the psalmist says to his soul, bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise God, O my soul. But you don't just find that in the Psalms. You find it all through the Scriptures. In the New Testament, Paul, most often writing from a prison, calls us to gratitude. Again, he's not asking us to say thank you. He's teaching us to live with gratitude as the melody line of your life. Every Sunday when we sing, I'm not a musician, so I'm, this is just music 101, there's a melody in each song. I can pick that out. I can sing along with that. The harmony stuff, that's way beyond me. Sounds great, but the melody is what carries the song. And in our lives, what Paul is saying is that the melody line of our lives, the song that our lives should sing is a song of gratitude. I didn't say a song of happy. I said of gratitude, because those are two different things. Paul writes this from his prison cell, and there's two things that he's saying really loud. The first one is this. If gratitude is not part of your spiritual life, if your soul is not singing gratitude, you're crippled. You're crippled. You're walking spiritually with a limp. Gratitude is like the center of the whole thing. Here's the second thing he's saying. There's nothing that inhibits you from being grateful. 
If I say to you this morning, bless the Lord, be grateful, I know what, what our hearts will say. Pastor, that is a great idea. But can I just tell you, that's a good thing. Paul is saying there's actually nothing out here that can keep us from being grateful. The only things that block us from being grateful are from our own soul. So, gratitude is the dialect of heaven. And Paul, when you read through Paul's letters, it's like all over the place. He'll be talking about something and then he'll say, oh, be thankful. In fact, sometimes you have the impression that maybe he's getting old. Because sometimes old people do that. I know, I'm one of them. So you're talking and then there's something that they love to talk about. They'll take a left turn and then they'll come back and maybe that's never happened to you. But that does happen. But that's not what Paul's doing here. He's not being forgetful. He's being intentional. He knows how difficult this is for us. And so he repeats himself over and over. In all circumstances, give thanks. Be thankful. Sing songs with thanksgiving in your heart. Calling us. So, what is it? What is gratitude? Well, let me say first what it is not. Gratitude and happy are not the same thing. If you're saying thank you because you really like something, that's just being polite. Gratitude is about this inner thing, this, this inner gut-level expression of gratitude to God regardless of what's happening out here. And that's the gratitude that he's talking about. Let me read you. This is from Ann Voskamp. She says this. The practice of gratitude is a way of cultivating a habit. A habit of learning to live praise. To make gratitude and joy your default. To move Thanksgiving away from a holiday to a lifestyle that all the days may be a holy, may be holy and set apart. So let's dive in to Colossians and to the Psalms. Why? Why are we supposed to be grateful? Well, I think one of the reasons the scripture calls us to that is because actually ingratitude will destroy your soul. I'm not saying maybe. It will. It is not like having a spiritual cold. It's like having a spiritual cancer. It literally destroys your soul. Let me read these words to you. These come from Colossians. Paul is writing to a church and calling them in a difficult place to live out gratitude. Listen to what he says. Let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Jesus dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom, using psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I think he's, he's really thinking this is important. 
In the Christian framework, ingratitude is not just a psychological problem. It's not an impoverishment of some emotional experience. The Bible calls it sin. Ingratitude is ugly. Paul says that the hallmark of a life opposed to God is ingratitude. This is what he says in Romans 1. He's talking to people who live their lives opposed to God. And this is what he says. Although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God or give thanks to him, and then their thinking became futile. That's scary. So these people, he said, they turned away from God and they just went to, to crazier and crazier and crazier. What was the first step? They didn't thank God. Again, it's not about saying thank you. It's about perceiving what God has done and being grateful. So, it says they, their hearts turned away. They perceived themselves as being entitled. They didn't see themselves as grateful receivers of grace every moment. So how do you know if the disease of gratitude has crept into your soul? Well, there are some things that might be indicators. If the melody of your life is cynicism, if the melody of your life is complaining, if the melody of your life is, is anger, if it's entitlement, those are blinking lights on the dashboard of your soul saying, attention, here's the bummer. When those things get into us, we rarely perceive them. So if you want to know if that's happening in your soul, ask the people who live with you. What's the, when you're around me, what's, and be prepared for the answer. Often, those things, the ingratitude in our souls, it's rooted in, in things that we believe wrongly. There's myths about life that we need to get rid of, lies that we need to throw out the window. What do I mean? Well, let, let me underline a few of them. Here's a few myths that we grab onto. One of the myths that we believe is, you know what? If God would just make himself more evident, then it would be easier for me to be grateful. Like, if God would just show me, like, you're struggling and you, God, if you would just do this one thing so that I would know, I would believe and follow you. If you just do a miracle, heal my child, do this, I'll surrender my whole life to you. Actually, if you read the Old Testament, the story of Israel is like a magnifying glass describing how all of us in this room are. So let me ask you. Did God make himself evident to the people of Israel? Were there any hints that maybe he exists? Well, let me walk you through this story. For 400 years, they're slaves in the most powerful nation in the world. God not only delivers them out of slavery, but the day they left, the Egyptians were standing there. Hey, take my diamonds, take my jewelry, go, 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 go. So they leave. Now they find themselves in between the Red Sea and an army. God opens the Red Sea and they walk through. 
Now they're in the wilderness and there's nothing to eat. So God sends manna every day. He gives them sandals with a 40-year warranty. Any evidence in there that maybe God's around. So how did they respond? Was it just unending gratitude and faith? No. Well, you're going, but that was in the Old Testament. They hadn't seen the Christ yet. They didn't know God in the flesh. So Jesus comes, and he's God in the flesh. Peter was one of the guys that walked with him. He saw some really amazing things. He saw Jesus take a couple pieces of bread and feed 5,000 people. He saw Jesus heal blind people. He saw Jesus standing on a mountain talking with Moses and Elijah. He saw Jesus take somebody's ear and put it back on. Any evidences that God might be around? There are a few. The night Jesus died, Peter swore three times, I have never met the man. I don't even know who you're talking about. I don't think it was because he didn't have enough evidence. I think it's because his heart is somewhat like ours. It's not a lack of evidence that would make us more grateful. It's actually seeing what already is. Here's another myth. You know what? If God would only answer this one prayer, just this one, the rest of my life, I'm grateful. All I want is this one thing. If God just answered this one prayer, I would be totally satisfied. I mean, he knows how much I've always dreamed of being married, having children. If he would just heal this person, finished. I'm grateful. Is that true? If God answered this one prayer for you, would, would gratitude start to flow? Actually, no. We don't just want a child. We want a healthy child. We want a child that does really well in school and doesn't get picked on. And We want a child who will grow up and be safe and and never become an addict or go to jail or have any problems. We want a child that, that lives longer than we do. We, we always want something more than, than what it is. You know what? That's not a bad thing. It's actually a desire that God put us, put in our hearts. But the more is him. There's nothing else that you could ever receive that would turn your heart to gratitude. Here's a third myth. If I honor God with my life, my life will be fair. Won't have any surprises or shocks for me. If you've grabbed onto that, how's that going for you? You know what? There's actually some truth in that. In fact, if you read the book of Proverbs, it says that that there is an order that God put into this world. And if you violate the order, you will cause pain to yourself. That is true. If you violate the physical order, you jump off a building, you will do damage to yourself. If you violate the biological order, 
you drink too much, or you abuse drugs, or you abuse sex, you'll suffer biological consequences. If you violate the relational order by being unforgiving and unkind, manipulative, having an affair, you will destroy relationships. Same is true in the spiritual order. If you neglect God, if you don't see your need to be forgiven, you will suffer spiritual consequences. That is true. What is not true is that if you do all the right things, then one plus one will always equal two. It doesn't. You will always know the presence of God. But life is not fair. It's broken. But there's always enough, Paul says, for us to never doubt that God is good and everything that we need has been given to us in Christ. So, why are we supposed to be grateful? Actually, it's the only thing that makes sense. How? How, how, do, how do we learn to be grateful? Let's look at Colossians 3 and Psalm 103. The first thing it tells us is that the first step to gratitude is not speaking, it's seeing, it's perceiving. We already have everything we need to be grateful, so gratitude is actually about seeing it and perceiving it not about creating it or finding it. This is what the psalmist says. Praise the Lord, my soul. Don't forget all his benefits. They're endless. He says he forgives all of our sins. He redeems us. He crowns us with love and compassion. He satisfies our desires with good things. Those things are not every once in a while. This is God. In Colossians, Ephesians, Ephesians 1, he said that he's blessed us in the heavenlies with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Those are true things. You don't have to get God to do them. or They already are. He says, open your eyes. Worship. That's what worship is is. If you this morning were listening to the things that you sang, if you believed all of those things, you would literally dance out of this place this morning. But you know what? They're already true. You have to make them true. They already are. Three days after they laid him in a tomb, he started to breathe. And he walked out, and he conquered death, and he extends forgiveness. All of those things are true. Every day, you and I walk past the glory of God. I got up early this morning, and for the first time this year, I was able to have quiet sitting on my back porch, outside. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. It was great. It wasn't snowing. I look up and the sun's coming up and there's this band of clouds and the sun is beaming off the bottom of these clouds. 
you can't create that. The trees that you're looking at, if you know a scientist that can create one of those, bring them in. There isn't one. Only God can do that. He created our bodies with these just intricate, unbelievable things. What is he asking of us? To stand up and just say thank you. You are amazing. But you walk by it every day. And so do I. We just don't even see it. So how do you learn to have a grateful heart? You slow down and you open your eyes. And you look. He says in, in chapter 3, he, he crowns us with love and compassion. He extends forgiveness. How many times does God forgive you? Depends on how old you are. He just keeps forgiving. That's who he is. How do you create, how do you cultivate a, gra a grateful spirit? You open your eyes. Then he says you open your mouth. You praise him. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. Say it, write it, sing it. Say it publicly, say it privately. Learn to speak gratitude. Pastor, that's a great idea, but that's just not my personality. Let me look a little closer, because I read this this morning, but I didn't see anything in there about, this is for certain personality types. This is for all of us. Learn to express gratitude to God. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Can I just suggest to you this morning that maybe without gratitude, there's no way to be in God's presence? Think about it. You walk into the throne room of the eternal God, the one who spoke and the world was the one who sacrificed his son. When you walk into his presence, I don't think you're just going to go, oh, wow, that, that's really amazing. You're going to fall flat on your face and say glory to God. That's how he says you enter into his presence. As you see his glory. Speak it, brother. You're with me. Perceive it, speak it, and the last thing is practice it. Gratitude is a habit. It, if you think, you know what, I'm just going to go home and say thank you a couple, it's not going to work. This, this is a lifelong journey to learn to be a person of gratitude. One of my favorite people is Johnny Erickson Tata. Spent most of her life as a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. You hear her speak, you read what she writes. Are you kidding me? Like nobody is this joyful. How is that possible? Because she's not looking at the same things we're looking at. She's looking at the glory of God. And all she thinks, she's telling a story. She's in her office one day and somebody comes in and asks her, hey, Johnny, could I borrow a little bit of money? And she wasn't really thinking, yeah, yeah, sure, great. My purse is back there. So person takes money out of her purse and she hears the purse closed and she says, oh, thanks so much. And the lady goes, are you kidding me? I just borrowed money from you and you're thanking me? She said, well, I just, I just say thanks to everything. That's what keeps my soul 
practice. In the Old Testament, God is the one that instituted all the, the, the holidays, the, the celebrations. Why? So that you won't forget. So that you'll stop and say thank you. Jesus, he said thank you all the time. What was his problem? And who's he thanking? He stands up and he's going to feed 5,000 people. What's the first thing he did? He took the bread and he looked to heaven and he said, Father, thank you. What's he thankful for? He's thankful because he knows his father's love. He knows, he, he knows the heart of his father and he's just, thank you. And then he took bread and boom, 5,000 people got fed. Walks towards the tomb of Lazarus. He looks up to heaven and he says, Father, thanks. Thanks that these people are going to get to see how great you are. He took bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks. You hear that? He's, he's going to die the next day on a Roman cross. And this is the evidence of it. And he takes it and he says, thank you. Practice, practice, practice. Why, how, and when? When are you supposed to do this? Only when you're awake. When you're sleeping, you don't have to do it. But when you're awake, this is what Paul says. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. Let me just give a few practical thoughts in closing, and then we'll close our time together around this table. I'm always putting books at you. A couple really good books. There's one called Choosing Gratitude, written by Nancy Lee DeMoss. Great book. You hear me talk about this other book, A Hundred Gifts, written by Ann Voskamp. It's a life changer for me. If you want to learn how to do this, and like, here's this really practical way that you learn this discipline, it's a great book. You need to learn this stuff now so that when the difficult days come, you already have the habit. It's hard to have the habit when difficult things come. Ellen and I read this book, A Thousand Gifts, and we made the decision together. We're going to commit to being people I want people at the end of my life to say, Joel was a, a grateful person. You couldn't be around him without sense and gratitude. That's what I want my life to look like. And we committed to that together. That was in June. A month later, my son died. The next day, we got up. Everything in my life was agony. We went out for a walk. I said, what do we do? Well, let's do the thing that we know. We're going to be grateful. Not grateful that this happened. He doesn't say be grateful for every circumstance. He says be grateful in it. So if this is true, then it has to be true on this day. 
And so we made lists every day. These are the things that we know about God. And these are the things that we're going to say thank you for. It changes your soul. Where there's ingratitude in your life, don't be nice about it. It'll destroy you. Just admit it. Get rid of it. Confess it. If, if you want to have a heart of gratitude, there are some things that you need to get rid of. Now I'm going to step on some toes. I'm sorry, but the internet has very little that will help your heart become grateful. So if most of your time is spent here, it, it's not going to, there's things that you got to set aside a little bit if you want to learn gratitude. Because you, you can't see unless you stop. And you can't stop when you're doing this. So there are things, if you want to learn to have a heart of gratitude, there's moments you, you got to set some of those things aside and listen and hear and see and say thanks. Find ways to learn this. Let me just close with this. If you don't believe what the Bible says, let me read you something from the Wall Street Journal. That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> this is an article in 2010. Wall Street Journal. It was a research. This is what it says. Adults who frequently feel grateful have more energy, more optimism, more social connections, and more happiness than those who do not. According to studies conducted over a decade, those people also feel less depressed, less envious, less greedy, and are more rarely alcoholic. They earn more money, sleep more soundly, exercise more regularly, and have greater resistance to viral infections. Now researchers are finding that gratitude brings similar benefits in children and adolescents. Studies show that kids who feel and act grateful tend to be less materialistic, get better grades, set higher goals, complain of fewer headaches and stomach aches, and feel more satisfied with their friends, family, and school than those who don't. Here's their conclusion. A lot of these findings are things we learned in kindergarten or from our grandmothers. Turns out they're true, but now we have scientific evidence to prove it. You don't need scientific evidence to prove it. God already said, it's true. May God teach our hearts to be grateful. We pray that God will use this message to draw you deeper into a meaningful relationship with Him. Hope Community Church is located in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. If you would like to find out more about our church, please visit us at hopeolmstead.org.